Welcome to another Sunday morning sermon for Marysville Christian Church. We're glad you're here joining us on this journey to learn more, love more, and look more like Jesus. We invite you to grab a cup of coffee and a Bible as we dive into God's Word. One of the things that one of the things that can make you feel like a hypocrite is when you're desperate for answers. And people are desperate to have answers from you. And you don't have any when you need them the most. And that's especially true when, when the inexplicable and unthinkable happens. Um, some good friends of Adam and Amber Slack lost their 14-year-old uh, son this last weekend. Jesse James Shock, I believe his name was. And yeah, it was quite a shock. He's a freshman at high school. I've been actively involved in all kinds of sports and just, just a great kid. He's a good friend of Adam and Amber's son, Gabe. Gage, excuse me. And they just want prayers for that family while they try to deal with having faith, but not having answers. Let's pray together. God, nothing makes us feel more empty than feeling like we ought to know the right thing to say to represent you as you should be. And be and just being dumbfounded. Nothing makes us feel more hypocritical than, than claiming to be a person of faith and, and claiming to be a Christian and, and yet struggling with faith when circumstances like this rock our, rock our world. Father, you know exactly what that family needs in exactly this moment. And our prayer simply is that you would give them your mercy and your grace and your strength. May they find all of that in you. And if you can use any of us to help them find that, they'll, they'll need that over and over and over in the coming days, weeks, months and probably years. Father, help us to be who we need to be for you, and in so doing, we can be who we need to be for them. It's in Jesus we offer them before you now. Amen. There's more to being a Christian than just saying you believe in Jesus. Because just having the right words, especially in times of the unexpected, unexplicable loss, just comes up empty and shallow, right? That's why John would say it this way in John chapter 2, verses 4 through 6. If we say that we know God, 
but do not obey his commands. And he just, he just calls it like it is. He says, we're lying. The truth is not in us. But when we obey God's teaching, his love is truly working in us. And this is how we know that we're living in him. If we say we live in God, we must live the way Jesus lived. Now, how realistic is that? I mean, are we all going to buy robes made of linen and wear sandals? I mean, winter's coming, even if it is Ohio, and we only had one snow last year. And we, we wonder how realistic it is for us to expect to live like Jesus in our life. But that same guy who wrote those words, we must live the way Jesus lived, wrote all throughout that letter to Christians, I think, that struggled with a sense of a guilty conscience because of how, inconsistency, how inconsistent they were in living like Jesus lived. And if they struggled that, uh, like that, then maybe, just maybe, there might be somebody you know that could also use that same type of encouragement. So I want you to consider the words of John in 1 John, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, right before Revelation. When he says this, here's just a summary of some of these verses. In, in chapter 1, verse 8, he says, If we say that we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves. Actually, I'm not fooling myself. I'm hoping to fool you. But he says, by inspiration, we're fooling ourselves, so I'll, I'll go with God on this one. We're fooling ourselves, and the truth is not in us. In the next chapter, in chapter 2, verse 9, he says, Whoever says he is in the light, but hates his brother, is still in darkness. In chapter 3, verse 4, he says, Those who keep on sinning, are against God. For every sin is done against the will of God. Well, there's just a happy, feel-good thing, right? You know, because so I have to be perfect from this day forward? Keep reading. Chapter 4, verse 20 in 1 John, he says, If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. If we don't love people that we can see, how can we love God whom we've never seen? Well, it's easier because, you know, I haven't seen God, so I don't know that God's messed with me. But it's the people I see that I don't love, well, I, they don't deserve my love. Because they didn't do what I thought they ought to do. At least that's how we think. And finally, in chapter 5, verse 13 of 1 John, he says, I've written this to you who believe in the Son of God. And here's his reason for writing. So that you might know you have eternal life. So that you might know that you have eternal life. Okay, he's just called him a liar. He's just said you're fooling yourself. He's just said we're not in the will of God. He's just said, again, I'm lying. And yet he says you can know that you have eternal life. Isn't expecting to live more like Jesus and less like me setting us up for failure? 
I mean, we would think so, right? Because nobody wants to be accused of being a hypocrite. Or worse yet, being exposed as a hypocrite because everybody sees right through what I'm trying to project is the image of a good, godly Christian. But how can we think and act like Jesus without hypocrisy when we know what we know about Jesus? Like, for example, what we know about Jesus is we believe he was God. In Colossians 1, verse 15, and also chapter 2, verse 9, he says this, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. As Christians, we believe that. We also believe, as he says in chapter 2, verse 9, that in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Now, track with me here on this, okay? He says that we need to live the way Jesus lived. But if Jesus, if we believe Jesus was God, then how are we supposed to live like God? We're only human, right? And how are we supposed to think and act like Jesus without hypocrisy when he turned water to wine? I'm supposed to do that? Somebody I met yesterday was sharing one of their favorite jokes. They had a rather uh, colorful past, shall we say. So it made sense that this would be their favorite joke. They said, you know, guy's driving along, cop pulls him over, under suspect of, you know, DUI. Comes up, tells him to roll the window down, he rolls the window down. He says, uh, what's in that bottle there? Water. Really? Is that what you're drinking? Yeah. If that's water, how come it smells like alcohol? It, it actually it smells like wine. He looks at the bottle, takes a sip of it in front of the officer, and he says, What do you know? Jesus did it again. <laughs> Don't use that. But Jesus walked on water. He did the impossible. He healed the hopeless. He raised the dead. How am I supposed to act like Jesus when that's what he did? I'm only human. Well, see, we also believe that Jesus was the Word made flesh and lived among us. Jesus was human too. And the people that grew up with Jesus... They were convinced that he was just like everybody else. It says, for example, in Matthew 13, the, the message kind of paints a colorful picture of this. In verse 55 and 56, it says, of the people who objected to what he was claiming about himself, they said, we've known him since he was a kid. He's the carpenter's son. We know his mother, Mary. We know his brothers, and James and Joseph, Simon and Judas. All of his sisters live here. Actually, the literal translation of that indicates we married his sisters. Who does he think he is? There was a reason he was God in the flesh. And that reason is given in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. 
For this reason, Jesus had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way. Don't miss that. He had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way so that he could be their merciful and faithful high priest in his service to God. Then Jesus could die in their place to take away their sin, and now he can help those who are tempted. He could help those who are tempted. People who feel like hypocrites, people who are only human, people who are tempted by their humanity. He can help because he suffered and was tempted as well. As God, Jesus knew what it was like to be, here's the big word of the morning, omnipresent. He can be everywhere all at the same time. But because he was also human, just like us, he was tugged and pulled by the expectations of others and was limited in where he could be at one time. He had to make choices because of that that reflected his priorities. He would tell his disciples it's not yet my time he would even tell his mother that when it came time to make water into wine and yet later on when his disciples thought the timing was all wrong to go to jerusalem because everybody was looking for him they wanted to crucify him he said no we're going to jerusalem my time has come Jesus, like us, had to make choices based on his priorities because he couldn't be everywhere at one time. So he had to ask, what's the best use of the time that I have? Whether that's 14 years or 40 years. Whatever time you have. What's the best use of that? Jesus understands that. As God, he also knew what it was like to, okay, second big word of the morning, he knew what it was like to be omnipresent, which simply means he could do anything. But he was also humid, human, not humid. It's a little humid in here right now, but he, he was also human just like us. As a child, he had lots of questions. And he learned by asking those questions from teachers of the scripture. Just like the kids that you sent out now to be with their teachers. As God, Jesus knew what it was like to be, third one of the morning, I'm on a roll. Omnipotent, he could do anything. But he was also human, just like us. And that's why he told his own disciples, I can do nothing without the Father. So because Jesus became what he was not, an eternal spirit that became temporarily flesh, we can become what we are not, temporarily flesh and blood, who can become eternal through our spirit. Remember Hebrews 2, verse 18? Now he can help those who are tempted because he himself suffered and was tempted. Jesus was not a superman. 
He showed us how to be a godly man, a man filled and led by the Spirit of God. Satan had a strategy in his temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, and it's the same for us as well. He just tried to convince Jesus to take the easy way out, and honestly, that's exactly the same kind of strategy that Satan uses in our life. Take the easy way out. He would tell Jesus in the wilderness, you don't need to trust God. Provide food for yourself. Turn these rocks into bread. You're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. He would tell Jesus, you don't need to trust God to remove your fear of death. Make him prove it to you. Jump off, this, jump off the, the top of this temple. I mean, after all, Scripture says that he'll send his angels to protect you, right? Make God prove it. So you don't have to be afraid of dying. And, and then you don't have to wait for God to work. It's hard to wait. I'll make it easy. Just bow down to me and you can have everything now. Jesus wasn't a superman. He simply was a man filled with the Spirit of God and followed the leading of that Spirit. He refused, to, he refused a temptation to make life easier. Think of it this way. You know, we get the idea that, you know, Jesus was God, and we try to struggle with the idea that he was all God, but he was also all human, Right? But then when we start talking about thinking and living and acting like Jesus, we act as though, no, we can't do that because he had a God credit card that he could whip out at any time, you know, and handle any temptation. But he didn't do that. He didn't use a God credit card when he needed it. And instead, Jesus shows us how to walk with God as a model of living a life that trusted God. He chose a life of character, he chose a life of priorities. He chose a life of self-control. And he chose a life of trust in an unseen God and his will for his life. He didn't come to start a new religion. He came to restore us to the image of God. That's why Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this, In your lives you must think and act like Christ Jesus. You see, as a man, Jesus was what God intended life in this world to look like. So Jesus showed us how to walk, guided by the purpose of God, guided by the, a knowledge of the will of God, and trusting him to provide what he said he would provide. So, when we're faced with some choices... Like trying to decide what image we're going to pretend to be. We don't have to choose each day who we're going to pretend to be. Oh, it's Sunday. I'll pick up the, the Christian mask and pretend to be that person. We can just live who we are. An honest life. Not always consistent but always genuine in our commitment and our purpose. The same guy that wrote all those verses from 1 John wrote these verses as well that I think may help. 
It's 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 and following. We heard the true teaching from God, he says, and now we tell it to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness. Well, that doesn't make me feel very confident because sometimes I'm, I'm my own shade of gray. He says, if we say that we share in life with God, but we continue living in darkness, we're liars who don't follow the truth. And in verse 7, he says, we should live in the light where God is. If we live in the light, we have fellowship with each other, and the blood sacrifice of Jesus, God's Son, washes away every sin. I, don't, don't miss this part, okay? He says... If we live in the light, that's a good day, right? Who's, who's being a hypocrite if you're living in the light? I'm living in the light, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. If I'm living in the light, doing what I'm supposed to do, how can there be sin there, right? And yet, look at what he says. If you're living in the light, the blood sacrifice of Jesus, God's Son, washes away every sin and makes us clean. I have a question for you. What sin? What, what, what sin? I thought I was living in the light. If I'm living in the light, then I'm not sinning, right? The only way that that makes sense is the acknowledgement that as we as humans live in the light of his Son, we're not going to do so perfectly. We still sin. But because we're walking in the light, that light washes away that sin. In verse 8, he says, if we say that we have no sin, while walking in the light, while in fellowship with God, while in fellowship with each other, if we say that we have no sin, while walking in the light, we're fooling ourselves, and the truth isn't in us. But in verse 9, he says this, but here's the contrast. If we confess our sins, those sins that we commit while walking in the light, right? If we confess our sins, God will forgive us. We can trust God to do this. He always does what's right. He'll make us clean from all the wrong things that we have done while we are walking in the light. If we say that we've not sinned, we're saying that God's a liar and that we don't accept his true teaching. Here is the one thing that I know. If I'm going to be genuine in my walk with Christ, then the only way to be hypocritical is to pretend that while I'm walking in the light, there's nothing that I have to confess. There's nothing that I've done wrong. But he says you're only fooling yourself if you think that. Now he says in chapter 2, verse 1, my, my dear children, I write this letter to you so that you will not continue to sin while walking in the light. But if anyone does sin 
while walking in the light. We have Jesus Christ to help us. He always did what was right, so he's able to defend us before God the Father, which implies that while walking in the light, there are times when I will need to be defended by Jesus. This is how we know that we're living in him. When we obey God's teaching, his love is truly working in us. And if we say that we live in God, then we must live the way Jesus lived. Now that may, that may make you scratch your head. So let me just encourage you to spend some time reading and reflecting on 1 John chapter 1 and the first part of chapter 2. As someone who wants to try to be genuine in their relationship with God, as someone who doesn't want to be a liar when it comes to being honest with God or honest with each other, ask yourself, is there a way for me to avoid the label of hypocrisy by living a little more like Jesus and a little less like me? think what he's talking about here is pretty simple, right? I can avoid that label of hypocrisy if I live in the light of God versus in the lies that Satan tempts me with that it doesn't have to be hard, it can make it easy. All I have to do is trust him instead of trust God and have it right now. Easy and now. Man, it sounds good. But that's what leads you to hypocrisy. I can avoid the label of hypocrisy if I confess my sin when I ignore his will instead of living in denial and trying to pretend like I did nothing wrong here. Just keep moving. Nothing to see. I can avoid the label of hypocrisy if I don't continue to live in sin, in rebellion against the will of God, instead of pretending that there's nothing wrong. That's not sin. Oh, you don't understand. You What? No, that's, everybody interprets the Bible different. Really? Or is that just the go-to excuse when I know what I'm doing is against the will of God, I just don't want to admit it. You can avoid the label of hypocrisy if you will trust Jesus to defend you before God when you do sin while trying to walk in the light. You don't have to live in fear of being exposed. You don't have to live in fear of his condemnation. He already knows who we are anyway, right? He knew the Pharisees from the inside out, just like he knows us as well. And finally, you can avoid the label of hypocrisy if you live the way Jesus lived, by living in God's truth instead of looking for the easy way out. So there, there you've got it. You live in the light of God. You confess your sin when you ignore that will. You don't continue to live in sin. You trust Jesus instead of, instead of trying to hide who you really are. And you live the way Jesus lived in his truth instead of looking for the easy way out. David, why don't you in a praise team join me on stage and we'll wrap up with this thought. 
So maybe here's the thing to take with you, okay? In your lives, you must think and act like Jesus. Are you ready to do that? Will you be perfect? No, you're human. Will you be tempted? Absolutely. You'll be tempted to take the easy way out. You'll be tempted to ignore the will of God that you know is the right thing to do. And, well, Scripture says to him who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, that's sin. But are you ready to think and act like Jesus? That would look like trusting your Father's wisdom and his guidance as expressed in his word instead of just ignoring it and pretending like he hasn't spoken on a matter. Are you ready to think and act like Jesus? If so, then you're probably ready to live in the strength of his spirit within you and the peace that that spirit brings when you know you've done the will of God and you're obedient to him. If you're ready to think and act like Jesus in your life, then you're probably ready to trust a faithful God instead of believing a liar who makes promises that he can't keep. At MCC, we are far from perfect people, but we are normal. I know you might argue that. We're average. You may even argue that, because that means, you know, in, here we are. We're just who we are. We're trying to learn more about Jesus instead of pretending that we have all the answers. We're trying to love more like Jesus because he loved God and he loved people. And sometimes, honestly, that pushes us a lot. And ultimately, we're trying to look more like Jesus who walked humbly before God with justice and mercy. And that sounds like a pretty good way to live life. If you're just trying to impress people with your spiritual act, we're not going to be impressed. If you want to live an honest life before God, letting him transform you from the inside out, you're welcome. Accept his word as truth. Admit your rebellion against him. Act in faith by being baptized into Christ and then actively become a part of the body of Christ where you can learn and grow and be confronted and repent and learn and grow some more and help and share with others in their walk of faith. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Marysville Christian Church and connect with us, be sure to go to our website, marysvillechristian.org. If you are near the Marysville area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We have our Bible study classes at 9 a.m. and our regular worship service is at 10 a.m. Our address is 17,000 Waldo Road, Marysville, Ohio, 43040. Our phone number is 937-642-9838. Email is office at marysvillechristian.org.